Hey everybody, welcome to Momlitics. I'm your host, Rebecca Sheehan. Here at Momlitics, we make politics palatable for parents. Now, I love today's topic, which should relate on some level with many of you. As parents, we love our children deeply, and we like to think that we do anything for them. And generally speaking, moms and dads do a lot. We sacrifice our time, driving them all over the place for one, sacrifice our sleep, comforting them after a bad dream and when they're sick, and they certainly put a dent in our savings. But then again, kids are probably the main reason that many of us work in the first place. But how many of us really do what it takes to make sure that our kids become the very best versions of themselves? Do we have the guts to do something that our kids might hate us for now, but thank us for in the long run? This episode is about the true meaning of tough love, what it means to be a good parent, and the importance of teaching kids about consequences. The story is this. A nurse in Florissant, Missouri, which is one town over from Ferguson, discovered that her 13-year-old son was involved in an armed carjacking of a pastor who was heading to a meeting at a church. What did she do? She didn't give him a slap on the wrist or tell him not to do it again. Nope, she turned him into police. And now he's being charged with a Class A felony, first-degree robbery, and just had his first court hearing. Joining me today on Momletics to share all of his thoughts on this situation is the pastor who was carjacked by this 13-year-old, Pastor Mike Coleman from Carondelet Baptist Church. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Rebecca, for the invitation. Of course. So first of all, I mean, how are you holding up right now after this horrible situation that happened to you? And can you kind of walk us through briefly what happened that night? I'm doing fine now. Uh, the first 24, <clears throat> 48 hours was rough because I uh, never been attacked or, or approached like that before. As I was out of the car, that's when these two young people just literally came running up to me with the gun. All I heard was tiny voices. I heard uh, soft voices. Give me your, give me your keys. It didn't match for what was going on. I was expecting to hear, give me your keys. You know, something much deeper, much more menacing. So at first it was like this, it's not happening. This isn't, this isn't real. But again, when a gun's in your face, it becomes very, very real. You just do what you're told. How did you find out that it was the boy's mother who turned him in? The police called me uh, the next day saying they had a a young 13-year-old boy uh, who had some of my private possessions. So I found out through the police, and because of that mom, bless her heart, for doing something very bold, very heroic as far as I'm concerned, uh, she's taken the first step in in actually making a, a good change. My parents taught me, I'm a Baptist minister, but I went to Catholic grade school. They told me if I got in trouble at school, uh, I'll get the whoop in there and then I'll get the one when I get home. You're right. I mean, that was much more common, it seems, several decades ago than now. Corporal punishment is looked down upon, which is probably a good thing. But really, any consequences whatsoever, it seems parents aren't willing to be as strict with their kids. And I think it's to the detriment of the child. You do have to start in the home. You have to get their attention, teach them responsibility, accountability. It's human nature to take the easy way out. So obviously the teen is not 
thrilled about facing these felony charges now that his mother turned him in. But what do you hope is the ultimate impact that this will have on his life? If the court system somehow comes down hard on him, which normally doesn't happen, and uses him as an example, and again, I know that sounds harsh, but if it doesn't start here, then you're never going to stop the spiral downward. My hope is, is that the young man will realize the seriousness of it, would want to come away from this and not have it dog him throughout life. And if, if that's possible, if that's what he wants, I want him to have it too. I want to take something very bad and turn it into something very, very good. Just talking about the tough love that his mother has given him. What do you think that the impact of knowing you're loved and knowing you have boundaries and knowing that you're loved unconditionally has on a person? It's huge because most people who get so desperate, individuals who who either end their lives or who give up on living, those individuals uh, don't realize God uh, has created them in his image and, and has a purpose for them. That's why they woke up this morning. That's why their heart continues to beat. But you have to first realize that uh, you've got to forgive yourself and then, you know, ask others, you know, can you accept me? Will you? And in most cases, people will. Humility is a very powerful thing. Meekness is a very powerful thing. These are not weaknesses. These are when you're actually stepping out in faith and, and asking to get your strength from someplace else. God honors that. Our sermon this past Sunday at church was just about meekness, same thing, and how it's actually a show of strength and not weakness. So that's very interesting that you're talking about it. So how do people go about forgiving themselves? Like, how do you you get to that first step? Loving yourself first is, is first and foremost. Admitting that you're not perfect and you never will be perfect. By realizing that, you know, again, you have purpose or you have value, Uh, It won't be instant, but you will be able to start working and achieving things that give you pride, things that give you uh, strength. And these are things that you build on. So for the parents listening to this, how can they help their children who might have done something wrong, forgive themselves and know that they're loved and can do better? A parent, if a parent will be honest with their family, admit when they made a mistake, admit when they've done something wrong, regardless how small it might be, kids realize that mom and dad's human too. So I'm, I'm going to make mistakes. And again, you can forgive, but yet there's still some sort of a balance to that. You can't reward just because someone says, I'm sorry. So what's with all these young teenagers committing crimes? Is there something that's going on right now, you think? Or is it just kind of a bad coincidence? There's two or three things happening. One these kids, the 13, the 15-year-old that, that caught me off guard, that wasn't something they just thought they'd do on a commercial break while they're watching TV. Someone put them up to that. There's a force, uh, something very sinister, very evil. And the reason I know that is because the police are working so hard on this. And I've even heard that FBI is working in St. Louis. And the, the FBI aren't worried about these two kids. They're worried about the kid, people who, who are pulling their strings. That's one. And then with kids, most of them want to be instantly gratified. They want to get rich quick. They want to do it. And this is the fastest way they think they can do it. That's two. And then, unfortunately, in lower income and in poor areas, these kids feel like the time's short. 
and I need to do this now. I need to get ahead now. And I don't care about five years or 10 years down the road. And a mom like the mom who turned this son in, if they can be proactive instead of reactive, it's great. But when it happens, uh, if they want the other three kids, like this mom has, to, to not follow in footsteps, if they want this child, this 13-year-old, to turn around, it's just going to take a sacrifice. You're going to have to say, I can't do this. I have to get, I got to get the professionals involved. If it's the police, if it's doctors, if it's clergy, get get some folks to you know, partner with you. That's a really good point to mention as well, that parents, a lot of times we think that we're in this alone and we have to shoulder all of the burden, but really there are so many other people who want to help us. Sadly, in this case, it has to be the police and, you know, the court system. But yeah, I think just knowing you're not alone, hopefully, is a comfort to parents out there who are extremely overwhelmed because parenting is overwhelming. And in and a, and a one family parenting situation, when it's just mom, or it's just auntie, or it's just grandma, you know, notice I'm not mentioning men. That's a big portion. But we're getting to the point where one person in the family running the household is all that's there. It takes two. It really does. Even if it has to be good cop, bad cop, it takes two because uh, it's just too hard for one individual to run a household and meet all the needs financially and then physically all that goes with it. So, yeah, I, I pray for that situation. And that's just not a black or white issue. That's that's across the board. Absolutely. That is a great point that it just takes so much to to raise a child the way they should be raised. So you said that this mother, she was a single mother and a mother of four. And, and from what I understand, she's a nurse. What a huge responsibility. I mean, uh, nurses, from what I understand, they normally work 12-hour shifts. And, and right now, that, that industry is really hurting. So this woman has a huge amount a burden and, and a workload. All I can do is lift her up in prayer at this time, but I'm hoping that sometime we can actually get together and, and try to put this behind us and again, move forward. So are you going to invite their family to a service sometime? Well, sure. I've already kind of mentioned that in, in, in the court hearing. I'm hoping that they'll invite me, that we can actually break bread, that we can actually sit and talk, that we can actually find out what goals uh, this teenager has and his siblings. Uh, because again, uh, I look at this as an opportunity. So it might be a blessing that our paths have crossed. Doesn't feel like it right now. I think of all the Old Testament individuals, Joseph, his family put him in a pit, sold him into slavery. He goes to Egypt. All of a sudden, he's just doing his job. And next thing you know, he's back in jail, falsely accused of something, and back out again. I mean, and that's just one individual. Job lost his family, lost his riches, was was on, felt like he was on his deathbed and sackcloth and ashes. And, and everybody's saying, you know, you should just forsake God and forget him. He comes through that, and when he comes through that, his family's restored. He's a bigger family, more riches. God's always done that for people, but you have to seek his will and you got to read his word and you got to put it, the principles into practicality. You got to start using them. So how long have you been a pastor and what inspired you um, to want to preach God's word? I've only been a pastor eight years. 
I've worked for Cronlet a long time for, for 25 years. I started out as their custodian. God has always been working in my life, and little by little, his leading, his prodding has brought me to where I'm at. It's not the success story that uh, most people read about in books, but I just love where I'm at. To live in the same neighborhood, the same house for uh, six decades, and to know that if the Lord allows me another two or three decades, then I'll continue to serve regardless of what the title is. I'm just quite happy. So how did you go from custodian to pastor? That's fascinating. I accepted the call to go into ministry, uh, street ministry, prison ministry, band ministry, and then studied all the different doctrines. And uh, after about 14 years of study and still the custodian of the church and assisting the pastor, they decided to ordain me. And uh, after ordaining me, uh, I'm still at Cronlet assisting the, our previous pastor who was there for 30 years. After he retired, the church decided not to let me go. It's just the way God's will has worked out. What I'm doing now is just what God's asking me to do. Try to keep our toehold on the neighborhood. It's just been a blessing. I love that story about how you arrived to be pastor there. Just starting to wrap up, what are you preaching about this Sunday? I'm sure this has had a big impact on your perspective. And also, do you think and do you hope that by talking about what happened to you, you might inspire other parents to also be a little bit tougher on their kids? As a father of two grown men and then a grandfather of three little ones, anytime I get to spend with them, I try to find a teaching moment. If if you show enough strength and teach the children, you're responsible for your choices. If you just teach them the basics, they're not going to falter. Um, to answer your question on, on preaching this Sunday, I have been preaching on loving thy enemies and trying to uh, deal with the world. I've been preaching with sin nature versus a new nature in Christ. Christians, me in particular, not perfect, nowhere near perfect, make mistakes all the time. But thankfully, uh, by recognizing, again, my faults, you have the opportunity to, to correct those. Uh, and so these are the things I've been preaching on. Uh, you can't take care of the small picture uh, when you don't know what the big picture is. It's nothing that's hidden from you. It's God has been very clear on what he wants for us and where we're going to eventually wind up. So it should affect our walk and it should affect how we live. And living the right way, doing the right thing is often the harder thing, the harder path as we've seen this mother do. But I, I absolutely commend her for turning her son in. And I can't imagine how hard that was. I cannot give thanks enough. And again, I just keep praying that her strength and her resolve will be good and that she'll be blessed by her decision. That is just an awesome thing to do. Well, Pastor Mike Coleman, thank you so much for joining us on Momletics today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. And anytime I, I can help in the future, it'd be great. You keep that family in prayer. And I, I think maybe somewhere down the road, we will see the blessings of this. Maybe that boy will be doing some inspirational speaking someday, right? It that moment that turned his life around. It wouldn't surprise me because that's just how, how good God is. Awesome. Well, thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. 
And thank you for joining us for this episode of Momletics, where we make politics palatable for parents. We'll see you next time. 